0: Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. Today is just a standalone message. It's a standalone message, not a part of a series, but just something that God whispered in my heart that I want to probably shout in your ear. So uh, stand with me one last time to honor the reading of God's word. I know that feels like spiritual aerobics. But after that, you can stay seated after we read this scripture. Go with me to Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. And I want to look at verses 22 through 27. Numbers chapter 6. We'll start at verse 22. We'll land at verse number 27. Numbers is in the Old Testament. Maybe one of those books that you skip during your one year Bible reading plan. But there's a word from the Lord here. And this might be shocking to some of you, especially if you haven't been raised in church because maybe you've heard this song that's become popular and you didn't even know that this song came from scripture. So you're going to be blessed and it's going to blow your mind as we read this in Numbers chapter 6, starting at verse number 22. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. yeah. If you need a little time, say, hold up. All right, I'll wait for you. Verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his Face. face. toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I really just need verse number 6, but verse number 5 was delicious too, so I just threw that in there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse number 5. And Paul says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. Who that blessed my life. I am not up here preaching to you about Robert Madu. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that it is not my life that can save or redeem you. I am hashtag jacked up looking for a savior, looking for his grace and mercy just like you. So Paul's letting you know, as powerful as Paul was, he said, do not get it twisted. I am not preaching about me. We don't preach ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face face of Jesus Christ. Look at Paul, almost echoing what God told Moses to tell Aaron. May the Lord make his. Face shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face toward you. We've seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus. I want to preach today using a title that if your parents use the disciplinary action of just like time out, you will not relate to this title. But if you had one of those parents that would slap you upside the head or in the esophagus to the point that you "Ah, ah," did a silent cry before you did the real cry. And then if you cried too long, they would look at you and say the title of my message today. I want to talk to you from the thought, fix your face. (laughs) Fix (laughs) your (laughs) face. Would you help me preach and look at your neighbor, whichever one you like the best, and just say neighbor. Fix your face. Come on, find another neighbor, the one you ignored on purpose. And look at them, come on, say other neighbor. (laughs) I know this word is for you. You need to fix your face. If you had a real gangster mama, she would say, Fix your face, or I'll fix it for you. (laughs) Fix your face. Oh, this is going to be fun. Would you stay standing? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Speak to us. Let us leave different than the way that we came in. In Jesus' name, everybody said, You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Fix. Yo-Face. Yesterday was a big day in the Madhu household. It was a monumental day. It was a monumental day because it was my son, my man-child, my namesake, Robert the Third. It was his very first basketball game yesterday. Oh, I'll take those hand classes. It's a big deal, people, it's a very big deal. And uh, before I even tell you how the game went yesterday, I I should let you know that before I ever had children, I made a promise to myself, before I ever had offspring, I said that if my kids ever participate in any type of athletic event, I am not going to be one of those parents that makes a scene on the sideline. I told myself that, okay? I said, I know how to be excited but not be extra, okay? I can be vocal but not be violent, okay? I can be celebratory but not be a distraction and just do enough on the sideline. I told myself I was gonna do that. And the reason I told myself that is because I had a father. That would show up to games and let his presence be known at the game y'all don't understand you don't know my struggle you don't know the tension of a decision when you are on the court in a game and you're trying to decide do i listen to my coach that is on the sideline yelling at me Or do I listen to the Nigerian man who is almost on half court yelling at me? So on this side, I got my coach saying, son, pass the ball. And on this side, I got my Nigerian dad saying, shoot the ball. Don't pass it to anybody. Shoot it, boy. Or my dad every time. Yeah, coach, you can't spear me. He will. I'm going to listen to my Nigerian dad. So I made that vow. I made that vow that I was not gonna be that dad. Woo! But I broke it yesterday. I broke it yesterday. I lost my mind because I didn't know I'm raising a Steph Curry. So I was really excited. But I noticed something in the game. I noticed something in the game. And what I noticed really became the catalyst and the impetus of this message today. Because I noticed that when my son was in practice, when my son was in warm ups, When my son was in the game, when my son was on the bench, he would periodically scan the bleachers and he would look for my face. All throughout the game, he would stop. Even when he's on the bench, he would stop and he was looking for my face or a familiar face. We had a whole entourage. (laughs) And the look was saying, is this good? Am I doing okay? He, he was looking for a face of approval. He was looking for a face of affirmation. And I'll be honest with you, even when he wasn't looking for it, I was on the sideline talking about, aye, hey, Or Forrest gum wave. And I immediately felt this need to just look at him and smile and let him know, I love you, you're killing it. That might not be a big deal to you, it's a big deal to me. This was his first game his first game, his very first game. It's one thing when we're at the house and it's just us. He can see my face of approval. But I wanted him to know that as he was scanning the crowd, looking for a face of approval, that I was going to reciprocate and give him the... You're doing it. Isn't it intriguing that that desire for facial approval, for facial recognition did not have to be taught. It was in him he had it i don't think that goes away ladies and gentlemen i think every single one of us whether we want to admit it or not innately we have it's like it's built in our dna this incessant desire to get facial approval to get facial recognition oh yes words are powerful oh yes we want people to tell us that they love us but i'm telling you your face says it first Oh, especially the face of a father. It yeah. matters. How your face looks matters. Matter of fact, often I will say in meetings, especially if we're on Zoom, uh, can you turn on your camera? Because if you're gonna have the Zoom meeting, I wanna see your face. I wanna know if you're really engaged in what I'm saying or whether you binge watching Netflix and just saying amen at the appropriate time. I want to see your face. I need the facial recognition. In fact, I've learned something. I've been preaching a while now. I've learned to make sure my eyes look at the right people in the crowd. Oh, because you can get messed up looking at the wrong people because some of y'all don't know what your face looks like. (laughs) From this vantage point, I've learned to make sure that my eyes gravitate to the people who look leaned in, to the people who looked engaged, to the people whose face actually says, I can get something from God. All y'all that look constipated, like you've been sucking on lemons, I try my best not to even look in your direction because if I'm not careful, your face will mess up what I'm saying and I think I'm not doing good and all of a sudden I feel some type of way, not because of the word I got, but because of your face. That face... Facial recognitions, they matter. It matters what you do with your faces. It's as if we come alive when our face gives us access to something. Come on, let's be honest. We just playing today. Have you, uh, you ever had your iPhone? If you got an Android, you can just leave. But <laughs> you, you, ever, you ever struggle with the face ID? You ever struggle with the face ID? Like it's been dark or something, you got to do all kinds of... Extra stuff I wish Apple would just send me like a video of all the faces I made sometimes just trying to get it to activate sometimes you got to lift it up you ever done that you ever had your mask on and still try to do it and you got to oh, take the mask off i'm gonna bless you i'm gonna bless you I actually found out you can do something I found out you can do something um, you can do something you can actually if you want to keep your mask on and open up your iPhone you can go into your settings do it after church you can go into your settings you can go to face ID and you can actually turn on something, I didn't know they had this, it's called alternate appearance. Yeah, it's gonna bless you. That if you want access into your phone and you still wanna wear your mask, all you gotta do is set up an alternate appearance. And if you set up the alternate appearance, it'll still give you access with your mask on. Ooh, you'd be shocked at the people sitting in this room today watching online. That have a whole lot of alternate appearances Oh, a whole long profile of different things that they do certain ways they behave simply because they are desperate for the facial affirmation and recognition of other people they will act one way in this circle they'll act another way in this circle they'll change their voice they'll change their appearance they'll do all kinds of things they are more confused than a chameleon in a bag of skittles Some of you will get that tomorrow because they constantly shift and change to whatever environment they step into because it feels better to be accepted for what's synthetic sometimes than to actually get the approval of what is authentic. And Although it feels good for a moment, all of a sudden that feeling will evade you and you feel miserable because you've been putting on to get the acceptance of other people. And what every single one of us want in our core, at our being, is just to have somebody whose face will light up for the real us. Not the person I have to pretend to be, not the person that performs, not the person that produces. But don't we all just want somebody whose face will light up and go, just with us being who we are, with our flaws, with all of our idiosyncrasies, with all our deficiencies. We just want somebody that'll light up for just the real us. If you don't believe me, there is a phenomenon that I've watched for a long time. I noticed it when we had our first child. I am intrigued by the ability of a baby to modify the behavior of anybody. A baby will change everybody's opinion, everybody's facial expression. Have you noticed this? You have never brought a baby to anybody. I don't care if it's a thug that has a record. If you bring a baby in front of the, he will not look at that baby and go, what's up, baby? Hey, baby. No, no, no. Every single person, have you noticed whenever a baby comes around, what do you start doing? You start changing your face. You start going into octaves you didn't even know you had. You start doing the dumbest little voices. Why are you doing all of this? Why is your face lighting up? Why is your voice changing? Why? I think I know why. Because there's something about a baby. There's something about the helplessness, the defenselessness. There's something about this baby that is so dependent on every other person, this little baby. So you and Aitley want to do everything in your power and in your face and in your voice to let them know it's okay. I am for you. I am with you. That's the power of what a baby does. That's the power of a baby being born. Is babies pull things out of us. We didn't even know we're there. They change our facial recognition. In fact, they will tell you that a baby is always as nine minutes will ultimately notice a face in the room and it is strategic in their development to make sure that there is a face that loves them. Oh, now I see the power of being born again. Because how many you know when you are born again, it is you coming to the realization that you cannot do life on your own. It is you coming to the understanding that it's not your resume, it is not your intellect, it is not your cognitive aptitude, it is not your degree, it is not your gift, it is not your talent that makes God accept you. How many you know if you want to see God do something in your life, you better come to him broken, you better come Come to him helpless you better come to him saying God I'm just a baby I don't know how to do life I'm coming with my hands raised and I messed myself but is it possible that you can help me yeah. ooh, and how does that father look at you ooh, ooh, it's my baby. that's the face of the father towards you come on if you know how to fix your face and change your voice when you see a newborn baby how much more our father that when we come into his presence, not with pride, but in humility of heart, to say, God, I am helpless without you. you know what his face does? He hits you with the Forrest Gump way. <laughs> he just starts smiling towards you. You do know he can't stop that face towards you, right? He can't stop it. He, he, he can't help himself. He, he's constantly giving you that face. And some of you, I see your face. And you don't believe it. You don't believe it. And that's why I felt I had to preach this message today, because this message really centers around one question that I want us to consider today. And I think it's a powerful question. Here's the question I want to ask you this is the question that kept me up. What does the face of Jesus towards you look like in your mind? What does the face of Jesus look like towards you in your mind? I think that's a powerful question. I'm telling you, that question is affecting how you behave right now. That question is affecting the trajectory of your life. What does the face of Jesus look like toward you in your head? What does the face look like? Is it a face of annoyance? Like, here she come to church today. Is it a face of frustration? I know I feel that face sometimes, like... Is it a face of disappointment? Is it a face of anger? You know how many people will not come to church. They will not come because they simply believe that the face of God towards them is. How is the face of Jesus? Too? Is it a face ooh, of elation and joy because you came to church today? So he's like, oh. And then when you don't come next week, he's like, oh, here they go. And then when you read your Bible, Leviticus. And then when you don't read it, and then when you give him the offering, and then we don't give, really? Just gave you life, really? No, I think this is important for you to ask yourself, what is the face of Jesus towards you? Because whether you realize it or not, that face is affecting your behavior. You know how many people live like that? He's happy, he's sad. He's happy with me, he's mad at me. He's happy with me as if God is schizophrenic in heaven, changing his facial expression towards you based off of your performance, based off of your record. Come on, this is not the gospel. The gospel says I'm, not ex- I'm accepted by his record, by what he did, by his performance, not by mine. There's so many of us I went looking, going, huh? Are you happy today? Okay, good, (gasps) but I'm telling you, if you don't get nothing else I say today, I want you to know that the face of your father towards you is perpetually and continually (laughs) one of approval. You think my face lit up when my son, future NBA player, scored six points? My face lit up the day before when I was in Nike buying out the whole store trying to get him his gear I was happy the morning he woke up my face was Because I'm obsessed with him. That's how your father He feels about you. I love what A.W. Tozer said he said What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us When we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always, always, the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. Translation, if you have the wrong image, picture, or portrait of God in your head, it will affect your life, it will affect how you speak to yourself and how you treat yourself, and ultimately, it will affect how you speak and treat to other people. You think God's annoyed with you? <sighs> you'll be annoyed with yourself? <sighs> and you'll be annoyed with other people who aren't perfect. Yeah. It. I'm t- it, it, it affects you, and this is the danger of our text today. Before we even delve into this, the first thing I want you to get out of this text that we read, this powerful song we've been singing, i got to give you the backdrop of this text. The backdrop of this text comes out of this first point. I wanna talk to you, write this down, about the danger of misrepresenting. The danger of misrepresenting. That's what the backdrop of Numbers really shows us. Because the book of Numbers, specifically Moses and Aaron and how they lead the children of Israel, they're actually teaching us about the power of representation and more so the danger of misrepresentation. Moses is giving the daunting task Aaron to as he represents the priesthood. They're given the task of Representing the people to God but also representing God to the people so their actions matter what they say Matters what they do matters because misrepresentation is horrible. Have you ever had somebody misrepresent you? Oh, it is a shame is a travesty. I cannot stand when people misrepresent me. As we speak, if you want to help the preacher today, there is a dude on the gram. Instagram, please give me a blue check because he has my profile picture. He has stolen pics off of my page. His app handle is R-O-B-E-I-T-M-A-D-U and he is constantly posting things, misrepresenting me, sending direct messages about an orphanage in Nigeria that I do not not have and I'm confused by the people who say, Do you know this dude He's sending stuff? and by the people who have gotten tricked into doing it. I'm like, You some blues clues, people. Look at the direct message. Hello, beloved of God. Are you highly favored? And does that sound like something I say? <laughs> Talk like that. Have you ever heard me say, beloved of God? He is misrepresenting me. and is driving me crazy because they will not shut this dude's profile down. Misrepresentation. Come on, you ever pulled up to a restaurant and it was about to close in like 10 minutes and the waiter looked at you and just rolled their eyes? You're going to be like, fix your face. I'm hungry, okay? I still got 10 minutes, Uh uh-huh. Isn't it funny that if the owner of that restaurant came, the owner would be like, come on in. Have a seat. But the waiter, (sighs) here they come. Oh, party of 15. Ugh. <laughs> There's a difference because if that waiter wants, they'll just go find another restaurant to work at. Uh-huh. But for that owner, that store is his livelihood, yeah. it is his life. So he will do whatever he can come on in. The- danger with the church is we have people that are misrepresenting God. And so there's people who love God, but there's been misrepresentation of who God is, so they don't want anything to do with the church. Yeah. Danger of misrepresentation. You don't believe in the danger of misrepresentation. I was going to put the scripture up, but I'll just tell you the story. In Numbers 20, something that blew my mind happens. God speaks to Moses, and he tells Moses to hit a rock. And the water flows because the children of Israel were complaining about being thirsty. And I want you to see what happens when God talks to Moses again and says, speak to the rock. It says, then he and Aaron, that's Moses, some of the people to come and gather at the rock. And this is them talking to the people because they were frustrated by their complaining. They said, listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand, and struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Huh? Moses and Aaron missed out on the promised land, because God said speak to the rock and they hit the rock twice and God took care of the people but they didn't get into their promise because of misrepresentation and when I first read that I said God this is cruel this is terrible to like remember what Paul says in first Corinthians chapter 10 that that rock was Christ and when they hit the rock twice they misrepresented the picture of who Christ was how many you know he was only supposed to be hit on the cross he only got crucified once his crucifixion was enough but because he got crucified how many you are thankful he didn't have to get up the cross on a second time but now you can speak to him you can have conversation with him that the veil that separated us from his presence we can now come to the throne of grace with boldness with confidence and they didn't realize they were misrepresenting him and they missed out on this promise. Some of us have got to learn to fix your face because you are misrepresenting this God whose face is continually smiling towards you. So God says, I'm so serious about representation that Moses, I'm going to tell you how to bless the children of Israel. He said, I'm not going to let Aaron just say whatever he wants. He says, I want you to speak specific words in how you bless them. And I'm so glad that he made it specific because if God didn't make it specific, we wouldn't have the song to sing. Come on, we've been singing it. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious towards you, Lord turn his face towards you, give you peace. You know the song. Do I need to sing it? (laughs) Somebody said no. (laughs) Those were the exact words. He says, I don't want you to mess this up and I find it intriguing That there are words that are repeated in this prayer, in this proclamation. One is the Lord. You'll see that. The Lord bless you. The Lord. The Lord. That term, the Lord, in some of your Bibles, is in all caps. And it literally translates Yahweh. Yahweh. Yahweh this is the same name this blows my mind this is the same name that Moses gets when he's at a burning bush and God reveals who he is to Moses and Moses says look I gotta go tell the people who is sending me I'll go tell Pharaoh to let my people go I even though I got a stuttering problem but you need to let me know which God is sending me and God looks at Moses and said tell them that I am let's go excuse me tell them that I am I am what I am that I am he said that's enough. He's like, "Hold on, what you mean I am that I am?" And in my mind, you know, I see God having a conversation with himself trying to figure something out even though he doesn't need to figure anything out because he knows everything. But in my mind, before he said, "Tell him I am that I am," he was trying to figure out "Well, what can I tell him? He said, "I could tell him to tell them that I'm their peace, but I'm not just their peace, I'm their joy." He said, "I could tell him to tell them that I'm their life, but I'm not just their life, I'm their strength." He said, "I could tell him to tell them that I'm their provider, but I'm not just their provider, I'm their protector." He said, "I could tell them to tell them that I'm a refuge, but I'm not just their refuge, I'm their shield." I could tell him to tell them that I'm their healer, but I'm not just their healer, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I am every single thing that you could ever think of that you need. So let me just make the list real short and let you know that I am, that I am. I want to pause and thank God that no matter how life changes, no matter what wilderness I walk through, that he is every single thing that I will ever need. Somebody ought to praise him if you can testify to the fact that he is, Whatever you need. If you ain't been through nothing, you can't praise God for that. But I've been through some seasons where I'm saying, God, thank you for being my peace in this moment. God, thank you for being my patience because I was about to go off. God, thank you for being everything I need. So the Lord, the Lord all throughout that prayer, it says the Lord, the Lord, the Lord because he said, Moses, the first thing you got to get in this blessing is that I am everything that you need. Yes. Oh, oh, no wonder. No wonder Moses got a face-to-face encounter yes. with God. Other prophets I've spoken through through visions and dreams, but with my prophet Moses, I will speak to face-to-face. Yes. Of course, he gets the face-to-face meeting with God. That's what he needed. You remember how he was born, right? He was born when Pharaoh sent an edict to kill every baby boy two years or under. You understand Moses as a baby he never got the joy of seeing the facial expression of his parents light up. They had to hide him in the house for three months. Can you imagine trying to hide a baby in a house for three months telling the baby to be quiet putting the baby in the pantry. He never got the facial recognition that every single baby knees. Can you imagine being Moses as a baby? Never having your mama smile. Telling them you to be quiet. All because they were trying to protect you and not get you killed. Isn't it interesting how life will work that way? So from Moses' vantage point, it looks like you're rejecting me. You're putting me under a cabinet. You're not giving me the affection that I need. But from the parents' vantage point, it's like, no, I'm protecting you. I don't want them to kill you. From Moses' vantage point, it is rejection. But from his parents' vantage at this point. It is protection. That's how God works. I know it looks like rejection that I'm sending you down the Nile River with all kinds of alligators, but that is not rejection. That is protection. And the sovereign hand of God is going to guide you in an environment that other people would have died in, but you lived through. Don't you start crying. You better look back over your life and say, it was good that I went through that. God was protecting me. Oh, I'm getting happy off my own sermon. Oh, is there anybody that can testify? There are some things in your life. It was good you went through that. It was good you were with you. The vantage point. The vantage point. I know you're mad that parent didn't give you the emotional things that you need. You wouldn't have the empathy you have now. You wish you had more support. You would not have started that business if you had the support as a child. God shows you at a young age how to take care of yourself, how to not make excuses from where you've been. You better fix your face. Fix some of the stuff you complaining about. You better start praising about. It wasn't rejection. It was protection. It was the sovereign hand of God guiding you through circumstances and situations that would have destroyed other people. You know how many other babies died but Moses, who had the call to be a deliverer on his life, he made it through. And so, he says, I want you to know that I am that I am the Lord. The Lord does what all the Lord bless you. First thing out of God's mouth, blessing. Second thing I want you to get is the default of blessing. God has a default. Just like your phone has default settings, God has a default setting. It's blessing. It is his default setting. Contrary to whatever preacher was yelling at you, that you're going to bust hell wide open. <laughs> You need to know that God never ordained the priest to pronounce a cursing. You'll never see that in the Bible. He said, pronounce the blessing. First words, the Lord bless you. It's his default setting. You realize before original sin, there was original blessing. Before Adam and Eve jacked it up, what did God do with Adam and Eve when they were in the garden, the original Whole food market? He blessed them, said be fruitful. Multiply blessing the power of blessing now the reason blessing and I'm saying it like that blessing The reason it's not hitting you the way it's supposed to hit you is because we don't understand that word today They did in that context blessing has been even hijacked which is so funny to me by Secular culture like that's a biblical word like that's from the Bible It's so funny all the people that use it in a different context blessings on blessings, you know (laughs) I'm blessed. I'm like This music video is not the original intent (laughs) of what the author meant. (laughs) That's a biblical word. Bless. But we don't understand bless. Why? Because, you know, we've reduced it to you sneeze. Nah, bless you. Don't you hate. I don't like. Just came to me. I don't like when your bless you is louder than my sneeze. Like, don't draw attention (laughs) to me. You know, you ever heard just a, bless you. You louder than the sneeze. I'm good. We, we reduce it to, to sneezing. We, we reduce it to finances. Ever had somebody come up to you with, with their hand like this or they want to say, God told me to bless you. You're like, well, oh, hallelujah, did he? And it funny how nobody rejects that word. Every other word you reject. When somebody says, God told me to bless you, I bet he did, When not he tell you? Should have told you three weeks ago, the light bill. <laughs> we reduce it to that. Matter of fact, church people, if you've been in church long enough, church people know how to say, I bless you or God bless you. And they really tell you, I don't like you. (laughs) You know what? Mm -mm, Bless you. You know how we do, even in Texas, bless your heart. They ain't trying to bless your heart. Telling you, you are the dumbest person I have ever seen. (laughs) So we don't understand blessing. But biblically, do you know what blessing means? The literal translation. I didn't know this. Y'all are smarter than me. I just learned this. This week do you know what the literal Hebrew word bless means it literally means to kneel that's what bless me it means to kneel and at first I didn't get it it's like, what do you mean to kneel? the imagery is that you have a God that would kneel down now I understand how you can be going through hell and still be blessed and that you cannot reduce blessing to materialistic things. That the blessing that we all have is the fact that he kneeled down from heaven to earth. That is the blessing of God. I know you want a new car, I know you want a race, I know you want healing in your body. God is a good, good father. He does desire to give it to you, but please do not reduce blessing to any of those things. Blessing in the literal sense is just the fact that God kneeled down from heaven to earth and put on human skin and lived the life that you and and I were supposed to live and die the death that you and I were supposed to die, that is blessed. You are already blessed by the fact that he came from heaven to earth. We've been singing a song wrong. Talking about when praises go up, then blessings come down. No, 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 no. Because God came down, praises should stay up. Just the fact that he came down, you got a reason to praise him. He said, don't reduce it just to material, although that is in it. Don't reduce it to spiritual, although that is in it. The actual word means God came down. May the Lord bless you. Bless you. And do what? Oh, and keep you. Yeah. Ooh. So I got the danger of misrepresentation. I got the, what was my second point? Default. The default of blessing. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. <laughs> default of blessing. But then he says, I'll keep you. So I want to talk as I land the plane about the power of keeping. The Lord bless you and keep you. If you bless me, why you gotta keep me? Because the blessing is the most delightful and potentially destructive thing that will happen in your life. All of y'all who are like, Lord bless me, be careful. What you ask for? God, you, you, give me more influence, for real, for real. Two people on your page said something sideways about you, and you called off the whole month of work because you were just so messy. You want more influence? You you want more people to look at you and criticize you? <laughs> you want a bigger platform? Be careful. When you ask for the blessing, he will bless you. But how many know he's got to keep you? The power of keeping. This is the challenge God must have. Is because I want to bless my children. And as a matter of fact, I will bless my children. But how many of us have fallen prey to the trap that when we get the blessing, we want to hold on to the blessing and disconnect the blesser from the blessing. So all of a sudden, we're chasing the blessing apart from intimacy with the blesser. All of a sudden, we're just wanting God's hand. When God never said, seek my hand, He says seek my face Seek my face Seek first the kingdom of God And his righteousness And all the things will be added But don't seek the things Oh and God help all of us To check our hearts And check our spirits To make sure that we haven't started Seeking the blessing Now the blessing Has disconnected us From the blessing And so he says, "May the Lord bless you, but not just bless you, let him keep you. It's a hedge of protection. Let me steward the blessing right. Don't ever let me want the blessing disconnected from intimacy with the blesser. God, keep me. Keep me. Keep me connected to you. Keep my priorities right. Keep me. Keep me. I'm thankful for what God is doing in our church. This is Super Sunday. This is crazy. I, I have not forgotten. We ain't even a year yet. We are about to turn up. Our one-year birthday is coming. Yeah. Remember how social started. The challenge that will face Pastor Taylor and I and the leadership of this church and all of us is that as God continues to bless, that we keep our eyes on him. And if we don't get so caught up in blessing, that we become disconnected to the blesser. I've been thinking about this, especially this week. Because there's so many people who start off so pure. The hand of God was there, but then how do things get to a place that's different from the way it started? And any person that looks at anybody and says, oh man, look at them, do what Paul says, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. See, it's so, oh, see, it's so easy talk about somebody that's on a platform. And there is personal responsibility. That's why all you only want to sound to be a preacher, huh? He will guard, he will, he will judge us at a higher standard. But let us not all forget that we are all a part of a royal priesthood. And we all represent him. Don't let the blessing take you away from intimacy with the blesser. The Lord keep you. I love it because the imagery is of a sheep being led by the shepherd. The imagery of keeping is a shepherd who has put a hedge of protection around the sheep at night. So that wolves that would come in, protect the sheep. That's the imagery of keeping. I love it because he put the hedge at night. In other words, God, thank you for protecting me from the things I can't even see. I'm not even going to act like I'm smart enough to know what's coming against me. I don't know what, the, ooh, you've been in the dark, like the dark, dark. <laughs> Like the country dark and just heard noises come on it could be a butterfly you like oh Lord it's a werewolf <laughs> can't even see it but God thank you for the hedge that protects me Lord bless you and keep you I got to land the Lord make his has the power of keeping his face shine upon you be gracious towards you the Lord his face toward you and give you peace that is the peace of facing facing the Savior hear me who is looking at you whose face is shining toward you again if you don't get anything else get this the face of the Father toward you is one of approval it's one of love not one of annoyance if you don't see that face, it's going to affect everything that you do. You've got to know he's the one in the stands going. No points. Oh <laughs> Water boy. Yeah. He's still. It's like the, the facing. The peace of facing him. I love this idea of his face shining on us. Again, it's the imagery of Moses who said, God, I want to see your face. And God said, if you see my face, it will kill you. You can't handle my glory, but I'll let my goodness pass before you. And as the goodness passed before Moses, he came off the mountain. His face was lit up with the glory of God. The affirmation. But still, he only saw in part. Why? Because in the Garden of Eden, when we were disobedient, when Adam and Eve disobeyed, They turned their face away from the Father and there was disconnection and ever since then humanity has been longing for a face of approval that can only come from God and some of us have been trying to find it in other things and it can only come from Him. I'm trying to save you another relationship another trip to the liquor store another one night stand. I'm trying to save you from the look That can only be found in him. His face is toward you. Do you know how intimate it is to look in the face of somebody? You know how intimate a face to face connection is? Y'all know me, I'm I'm gonna give you an illustration. You ever call somebody staring at you? You know there's rules that are unspoken. As soon as you catch them, you make eye contact for a second, and then it's like, oh, it's like you're waiting for. If they realize they're called, they're like, ah, oh, nice shirt. And then the rule is, look somewhere else, right? <laughs> Can you imagine somebody? And you catch them. Thank they- <laughs> you. The kids, I promise you, I promise you, you will get out your phone, 911, I need help, I need help, right now, right now, what they do? They slap you, they hit you, no, they're staring, they're staring, yes, they won't look away, they don't know the rules. Why do we feel like that? Why do we feel like that? Because there's something intimate about looking somebody in the face. You ever been at a party with a bunch of people, but for whatever reason, hopefully your boo, (laughs) caught your attention? that party, and all of a sudden you start talking the whole party, face-to-face connection, and if anybody asked you, who all was at the party? Ooh, let's not leave it up to you to do a police report or anything else. You didn't see anybody. You saw the one that you were face-to-face with. This is what Jesus wants. He wants this face-to-face intimacy that removes all the distractions no wonder he says and give you peace that is the final pronouncement because I've learned in my life that when I've lost my peace I've stopped facing him I've stopped looking into the eyes of who he is because how many you know as long as you are staring in the eyes of him it doesn't mean your life is perfect you could have chaos around you but I found this overwhelming peace as long as I keep my eyes on him how many you know I could be on a boat and and the winds and the waves can be crashing and the boat falling apart but as long as he is on my boat and he is looking at me and I am looking at him and I can just see the approval of my father who says you don't have to perform you don't have to do anything but just stare at my beauty and my sufficiency and how much I'm loving you perpetually and consistently how I many know that is enough that is enough to calm your soul when everything else around you is going crazy come on somebody Somebody in here knows what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in a hospital room and got the worst news, but still felt the peace of God? Because your eyes were fixed on him. If you're losing your peace, maybe you need to fix your face. You've been trying to fix your situation. And God told me to tell you today to fix your face fix your face on the one who could not be disappointed with you if he tried he loves you so much loved you so much that on the cross for the first time ever Jesus the son had the father turn his face away from the son Because my sin and your sin and the sense of the entire world were on him in that moment. Come on, that's why he didn't want to go. That's why he said if there's any other way, it wasn't the pain of the whips. It wasn't the crown of thorns. Listen to your Bible. God never said, my head, my head, or my side, my side. No, when the Father turned his face away from the Son, the ultimate rejection, then he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me and the reason that he was forsaken is so you and I could be forgiven because when I am hidden in Christ, he does not see my sin or my flaws or my mistakes. He sees the finished work of Jesus and says it has been paid for. This is the gospel. This is the beauty of fixing your face. I ask every person to stand that can. Our prayer today is that you would leave this place with your eyes fixed on him. But not just fixed on him, but fixed on him with the right picture of his face towards you. We've been singing the Lord turn his face toward you and someone has been running away from that because you think he's turning toward you in anger no 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 this is a savior who was rejected by his father experienced eternal in that moment the utmost separation so that we could be accepted We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.